Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Wow, we proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me. Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. quarters. You know who. And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable. Yes, hello. It is Tuesday after a big weekend of footy, even though it was a split round. The games were spread over, well, five days this weekend. And, of course, we had the big Queen's birthday clash between Melbourne and Collingwood yesterday. Um, The big freeze raised a lot of money for research into motor neuron disease. So well done to everybody for that. Um, I am Mark Duffield, the senior footy writer of the West Australian. Have with me Glenn Quartermain, our writer and editor extraordinaire at both the West Australian and the Sunday Times, and the man with very small hands. We are brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download the Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you run into any difficulties. Quarters. Duff. Big weekend of footy. Happy yes. birthday. Thank you. Bye. Birthday. Oh. Yes, it is. Thanks for remembering. Thank you, so instead of a blind squirrel, we have a blind man singing happy birthday 50, to you, yes. Stevie Wonder. Yes, 56 years ago today, um, Wensleydale Road, Hampton in London. It's where you were born. Correct. Wow. Mm. You're to and from. I am. I have my British passport. There you go. Congratulations. In the shadows of Twickenham Stadium, Duff. Those who have watched this unfold are surprised you've gotten this far. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Sometimes I'm surprised when I wake up. <laughs> After a big night, Duff, often I wake up and say, how would I get here? <laughs> when I'm chained to a boom gate. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened to me, but anyway, I'll take your word for it. No, All right. To me. What jumped out at you from the weekend? Well, I've got to say yesterday. Uh, Lots jumped out at me, but yesterday's game, uh, it was a cracking game of footy, actually. Played in good spirit, played with the whole backdrop of the MND. Amazing watching the blue beanies uh, dotted around that crowd of 76,000 people. Well done to everyone involved with that. Uh, And Melbourne now, I've got to say, have gone from, um, it's definitely a mini crisis stuff. They've gone from the number one pressure team to the number 17 pressure team. And who's the number one pressure team now? Collingwood. Yeah, Collingwood's having a really good um, period. Really good period. The interesting thing, I reckon, is that David King, I don't agree with everything David King says. David King often says you win flags without the ball. And it's hard to argue with that. You know, the, the teams that enjoy great form tend to play with great intensity and tend to apply great pressure when they don't have the ball. I, I would just, I would qualify that and say, I think you can beat great teams without the ball, but I'm not sure if you win flags without the ball. I think great teams have to play well without the ball yeah, yeah. to win. Yeah, Because obviously you need a lot of ability to get yourself in the mix. You need, you need great players who will do things, really great things at important moments. But 
the one common theme that all the great play, great teams have, the ones that succeed at the business end, they all they might do it in slightly different ways, but they all play very well without the. Footy. And the pressure with the pressure comes dirty ball inside fifty. That's common, but I think this has been a common theme with Melbourne for five six weeks now. Even while they were still winning and beating lowly teams by 50, 60 points, but they were still that transition into the inside 50 was questionable. And it remains the big bugbear at the moment. It's got a lot to do with the pressure being applied upfield, but I think that is a real issue for Melbourne. Doesn't it also have to do with whether their forwards compete strongly enough in the air and whether they compete strongly enough on the ground level? So if you look at the ones that are dropping away a little bit, Ben Brown's really struggled. He kicked a couple yesterday, but basically in the two or three weeks before that had barely touched it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Tom McDonald's been lost to injury. That's been a factor for them. Bailey Fritch. Bailey Fritch. Bailey Fritch has been okay, but he's a finisher, isn't he? Like He's if, a, the best finisher in the game, just if, about. Yeah. If, you, if you look at the core of what they do, the core of what they do falls to people like Cozzy Pickett, um, Alex Neil Bullen, yep. um, Spargo, um, Jordan... Um, these type of players who really hit the contest at ground level really hard, who close space really quickly, who apply great pressure. Petrarca, when he's at his best, does this very well and he's so physically strong. Um, He can um, force forward half turnovers as well. If you look at Hawthorne taking it to Fremantle on the weekend, what did they do? They forced forward half turnovers, didn't they? They did after about the midway through that first quarter. And they got themselves in the game. They did, yeah. And I think it's a key. And Melbourne's for everything else that's gone wrong. Yeah, the Stephen May stuff, the um, you know the Tom McDonald injury, um, whether um, Luke Jackson's come on quite like they believed he would this year. He's kind of plateaued a bit, I, I think. And I still think Luke Jackson will be a super player, but you know probably not just soaring onwards and upwards at the moment. Just sort of you going know, through a plateau. You just period. mentioned Stephen May before. Their backline, it's a completely different look without him. Everyone looks unsettled and unsure of what to do. Yeah, because he plays with great He's authority. The glue. Yeah, he yeah. plays with great authority, but the glue is gone. Yeah. And you can see what it's all fallen apart a bit back there. Now, I have no doubt, Duff, that Melbourne will rebound, uh, whether it's after the bye against Brisbane, I believe, or not. Remains to be seen. But I, I don't think – I'm not calling them gone. But there's some issues they have to contend with right now, and it starts from the top. And obviously we've seen what's happened off the field there. As I kept saying earlier in the year, Duff, as I, my, one of my favourite sayings is the old hubris brings down every great dynasty. And they've got to come to terms with that before they come to terms with anything else. They've also got to come to terms with the fact that this is not a dynasty yet. This no. Is, this is a flag defence. Mm. Um, and they're a good enough team to win a couple. So when you look at their team and its capability compared to the teams they're competing against, really Melbourne should emerge from this group of players with two to three premierships. At least two. And, um, you know, not necessarily back-to-back, but at least two flags. And right now, I think... And I don't think they are any guarantee to emerge from this. I, I think they are challenged. Now, I'm not... I'm certainly not writing them off or drawing a line through them, but I think they're challenged and they need to address this quickly. Mm. And those players we've, we've spoken about, you know, those, those worker bees, they need to get back to work and quickly because... They underestimate how important they are to the overall scheme of things. And, you know, the other bloke... Maybe, maybe this is the shock they needed to um, drive at home, how important they are, though. 
Maybe before they were a little bit lost in the system. Now we know how important they are. You know who the other one who needs to get working again is Christian Petrarca. Yeah, yep. Christian Petrarca is... You've been on him for about a month now. He's a mile off his best. Mm. And it's starting to show with his touch and his cleanness with his ball handling and his finishing and that sort of thing. He knows he's not going well. Maybe he's not feeling well. Maybe he's a bit injured. You know, who knows what what can come to bear. Everyone, the thing, they're discovering now how hard it is to go back-to-back tough because... Everyone has been coming at them from such a long, long time, and now they're really feeling it. So it's hard, but they've got the resources there to do it, but it's really how they go about it from this point onwards. Yep. And, um, you know, they, they have got some dead set work to do. We're probably um, not giving Collingwood enough plaudits here for a fantastic month and a fantastic effort yesterday. Um, many players I could mention, uh, Majacek, what a great player he is. But um, Dacos, uh, but Mason Cox, that's his best game since the 2018 preliminary final. Yeah, no doubt. He's had he's had moments in games since then, hasn't he? He had moments in the grand final in 2018. He had moments against West Coast in a final over here in 2020, I reckon, where he, um, you know, for five or ten minutes he took the game by the scruff of the neck, had a big impact on proceedings. But his ability to sustain an influence on a game as an on-baller, I think that's significant. For Collingwood, because obviously they have Brody Grundy missing um, for a period of time with us. But Darcy Cameron has emerged. Darcy Cameron's playing well. Um, with Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox, you have two blokes who can play in the ruck and two blokes who can go forward yeah. and impact the game. Which you, opens it up for players like Majacek as well. Value for money, Majacek has to be one of the best players yeah, no in doubt. the comp. Yeah, value for money, where he was taken. 150th goal um, yesterday, taken from the VFL. Yeah. Great story. Tassie boy. Great story. The other one, I reckon, is underrated, and I believe he's emerged over the last 18 months or so as one of the genuine superstars of the competition, is Jack Crisp. Yeah. There is no more powerful running midfielder in the competition than Jack Crisp. He runs both ways. He gives you real line breaking. There's nothing flash about his finishing. He's very straight line left Mm. foot. Um, You know, he doesn't. He doesn't kick the ball through the wound-down window of a passing car or anything like that. But he plays within his limitations really well. I think he'd want to be. They'd get a bit of a shock. (laughs) And plus, in Collingwood, you wouldn't get the ball back. (laughs) (laughs) Very very good point. Um, But he's... He's now one of the genuinely good mids in the comp. I think he he should be an All Australian. Was he an All Australian last year? Did he sneak in? He might have snuck in. I reckon he he did last year. I'll be proven correct. So, if he got in last year, and we'll check on that, um, he should be on his way to to a second one this year because he's playing exceptional football. We underestimate Taylor Adams and how good he is. He's just as hard. I don't know if we underestimate him. He's a very hard player. He is Taylor Adams. And the other thing is that. Pendlebury and Sidebottom, because they're getting carted along a little bit, they're up and going and they're playing well. And no one uses the ball better than Pendlebury. Mm. And few use the ball better than Sidebottom. Um, and given that he's not the primary midfielder now, he's not getting tagged, so he's running around getting the ball. Um, Dacos and Dacos playing very well. They've got a lot going for them at the moment. Mm. They're going as well as anyone. They are. Um, can they win it? I doubt it this year, but... Going at, at the moment, it's a good ride. They're coming from a long way back, aren't they? And look, there's plenty of time left, and let's see how the year pans out. But good on them right now. Uh, I don't expect. Although clearly, they're in the mix for the eight. Clearly. Oh God, yeah. I mean, they're almost. If they're you look not at, a lock, but if you, if you look at the ones at the bottom end, they're most actually, likely if, to make it. If you look at they? their draw, 
their draw opens right up for them. So, you know, every chance there. But long way to go. Uh, your boys, Duff, impressive in the fact that they found a way to, 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 to win when they're under a bit of duress against Hawthorne. You mentioned earlier the pressure that was applied, took away their transition game and found a way. You know the thing that jumped off the page at me about this game, or one of the things, was that this was a bloke who can coach running into a bloke who can coach. Mm. Um, Sam Mitchell, whenever they've run into a really good team, Sam Mitchell has taken something significant away from the good team. And you mentioned the transition game on the weekend from Fremantle. He got massive pressure on them in Hawthorne's front half, um, tipped their ability to rebound strongly on its head, basically made sure they were just kicking it long down the line. And, of course, he always has James Sicily long down the line, and Sicily became a very good player. Yeah, well, I think he has to take things away from opposition teams because right at the moment there's a lot of young players on the, in that team and, but the weekend really had no forward line Hawthorne. You had Kaczynski there. They had Frost there as a second forward. But no Mitch Lewis, big, no Gunston, you know, really impact players for Hawthorne. Really had half a forward line. So he had to manufacture something, and he did that well. You're quite right. Yeah, I thought their forward line was okay, though. It was okay, but their, their real weaponry was missing. They kicked big goals early, which gave them the toehold in the game. You know, like three of their goals in the first quarter were from out around 50. Yeah. And players nailed shots. You know the other one who's a very good player and is still not getting the credit he deserves is Dylan Moore. Yeah, yeah. He's building building he, a profile, he's a building a career. really good young pressure Yeah, he is, yeah. Yep. Um, so I think we'll see more of him. You know, they've still got Luke Bruce there. Um, he did a couple of nice things. Always does. You don't give him space, he'll score. So, he's a very clever player. So I thought, yeah. I, 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 it's a I, good game, wasn't it? It's a cracking game. Yeah. It's a cracking game. I love the fact that... Um, whether it's Longview or whether it's his players, they find solutions now, Freo, don't they? So they got Hawthorne were in their face, forced them to handball 60 times in the first quarter, which they didn't want to do. They were basically forced to do it, but they were going sideways, they were going backwards, trying to escape the pressure. They, they sort of recommitted to being fiercer around the contest. They recommitted to being better around stoppage. They worked that out. They scored heavily from stoppage after half time. They ended up with, I think, they ended up with four goals from centre square stoppages. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and they ended up with about eight goals from general stoppages in in uh, play. The first time so. this year, Hawthorne had won centre clearances too. Yeah, and still That's got a good effort. Um, uh, Blake Aker's a bit of a concern, but it's not a. As serious as they first thought or looked when he was in the on the bench in tears. I didn't like the look of that. He's had a few hamstrings, so he would have been aware. But I'm glad that he's... So they're talking four weeks? Yeah, I would have thought, just looking at him, um, there's your garden variety hamstring, which is three weeks. That's when they basically, they do it and they feel it. But then after the game, they're walking pretty normally and they get them going pretty quickly. I would have said that that's more your four to sixer. So this is more a botanic garden variety hamstring. It's a botanic garden variety, yes. <laughs> by the way, message. By the way, I took my boys to the footy on Saturday. They had a great day. Um, great spirit. The crowd was good. Uh, I love. I love the Frio crowd. They're they're good fun. Now the bloke who was telling me you can go home now. Yeah, well, pretty much the siren's gone to finish the game and the buses are waiting. So I said, yeah, well, that's the idea, mate. I can go home now. The game's over. Am I, is that okay if I leave now? I don't understand supporters that need to try and inflict some misery on the opposition supporters. Yeah, I, I just kind of... Yeah, yeah. He opened his lunchbox. I don't think there was a split atom in there. No, there no, wasn't? No. No, okay. <laughs> but generally the crowd was good? Fantastic. It was good banter. Um, I was sitting next to a guy 
he's a bit of a Hawthorne stalwart, and he um, he's called Doc because he looks like the Doc from Back to the Future. Yeah, been around forever. This guy, and we sort of know each other from over the years. And he was getting selfies taken of him, Doc. Everyone calls him Doc. It was just good fun. He's got a he's been in his sixties, I reckon. He's got a song for every Hawthorne player. Um, just good fun, and the Frio supporters around us were great too. What, really what's what's his song for Chad Wingarden? Oh, I, don't, oh, I can't remember that one. Uh, D- Dylan Moore, though, is that's Amore. <laughs> I don't think his, his song for Chad Wingard might be the same that I have, Duff. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> You're not a fan of Chad Wingard at the moment, Glenn? Um, mm, could try a bit harder at times when he doesn't have the footy. He's become – so he wasn't like this as a young player. This is the intriguing thing I find about Chad Wingard. Chad Wingard was a – um, well, he was one of those pressure forwards we talk about. And, yep. he was, and, yeah, he was a great finisher. And, yeah, he could do miraculous things. He could stand on your head and take a mark. He could kick a great goal from deep in the pocket. But he could also apply pressure. He could win hard balls. He's, somewhere he's lost his way. So I think as a Hawthorne supporter, as you know I am, um, the last four years feel like Hawthorne's just been treading water. Mm. And that's through no fault of Clarkson. I think he's still be one of the best coaches in it, just that – He'd been at Hawthorne too long. This year feels like Hawthorne's going in the right direction. There's, there's, there's some ascension happening, and obviously Sam can coach. But it doesn't feel like Wingard's the, the, a player that will be there and, and, and that helps us. I don't think he helps us in where we're at at the moment. And the other one I'll say is I'm not sure what's going on with Denver Granger. Barras obviously dropped off in form a bit, so he's playing in the, um, for Box Hill. But why you would not pick him ahead of Kyle Hardigan, I'm not sure. Do you now, reckon they... all the very best, a terrific guy, tries his heart out every week, Kyle, but Denver's a, you know, he's going to be a better player taking us forward. Do you reckon that they smell an unlikely finals berth and they're trying to just pick, Hawthorne? Their, pick their best 22 for now? No, I don't think they smell an unlikely finals berth. I don't think Hawthorne's getting anywhere near final stuff. Don't you? No, I think Don't Hawthorne... they look more like a 6-7 team than a 4-9 team? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, they do, but they're not. So they've lost. They they, they look because they've they've been close to Brisbane. They've been close to Melbourne. They've been close to well, they beat Brisbane, Collingwood. They ran close. Geelong. They beat. So they are. They look it, but they're not. So then that's a fact. Wins on the board, mate. If you haven't got the four points, you're not going to play finals. So It'd be interesting to see what this election policy is after the break. I don't, you know what? The close losses, which normally annoy me, don't annoy me this year because I feel like things are happening. Yep. So, yeah, as a supporter, I think you're happy as long as you're heading in the right direction. I, I and you're getting effort, which you're getting from that group. They've got a Ruckman, too. Oh, he's good, Ned Reeves. He yeah. goes all right. Yeah. I mean, he was up against a very good player on the weekend, and he troubled him for you know significant points. Well, we're going to need him because as good as big boy McAvoy has been a fantastic player for Hawthorne, and he's still got a little bit of footy left in him. He's the captain of the team. Um, but you see him walking around with a neck brace, and you think, Ned, you need to get to work. This bloke's standing over in the corner with a neck brace on. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah he is a very good player. He's massive when you see him live, isn't he? Huge. Oh, he's a huge man. Yeah. yeah. Bailey Smith. Well, I, I'm i going to stand in his corner a little bit here in that, um, the first thing I'll say is I'm going to dismiss this rubbish that he's hitched the mental health ticket to the wagon. He's been talking about mental health issues for 18 months, stuff. So I think it's a bit of a, a, a long bow for people to say, "Oh, he's just using this ticket here." Right? I, I don't. I don't like that. I like the way he's taken ownership. It's a stupid act. Uh, it's an even stupid act when you t- allow yourself to be photographed. 
but at least he's taken ownership of it. I think the, the club has um, responded in the right fashion, and he'll now serve his punishment. And I think the two weeks he'll probably get on top of the two weeks he's got for the headbutt, plus the public admonishment, which is huge, I think it's a fair punishment to play. What it does bring into question is the whole illicit drugs policy. So I have been a supporter of it, and to some extent I still am, Duff. But at some point we've got to ask the question, with this three strikes policy, is it working? Now, is it working because we don't see all the success stories, because we don't hear about them? But do you think it's working? I think so. I've, I'm a bit of a convert to the AFL illicit drugs policy because I think that I understand that people who want to abuse it, there are loopholes in it that you can drive semi trailers through. But I think that's true of um, drug or substance abuse generally. People who want to get around it will get around it. And, you know, to me, I suspect that the drug problem in amongst AFL players is significantly less than it is in our community because I think it's massive in our community. Having had um, seen young people coming through in society, leaving school, going to university, um, seeing the behaviour of um, the people close to them, I think drugs in our society are now a massive concern Um, and I think some of those drugs, uh, you kind of have to, if you're our generation, you have to replace what we did which was you know we used to frequently drink too much what do you mean um, used to well i don't know i don't do it anymore i can't my body won't do it yeah. you know like i suffer greatly if i try and do it so i avoid doing it mm. but but we did didn't we you know when we were young we were we were drinkers and um a lot of a lot of us were smokers as well you know used to like the durries mm. now it's pills and powder and it's what they do and in many ways Provided they are disciplined and controlled with it, physically, they are better off doing than that than what we did. But of course, it is against the law, which is no small thing. Yeah, I'm not sure if the consequences can't be more severe though. I think so. They should though, AFL players. So they should be doing it more infrequently. They're I elite d- athletes. I think this is quarters. I think if we did a survey on young people and their drug use, oh, no question. I think our generation would be absolutely staggered with the outcome of that survey. No, I, I'm actually not, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying I'm not aware how widespread it is. I'm just saying I'm not sure if it's m- not more impactful. So I would I would be very surprised if the stats on AFL players who did and didn't at some point use an illicit substance as a party drug or whatever, I'd be very surprised if that didn't run well over 50%. Yeah. And I would, I would think in our, in the general community, I would think it would be more like three in every four. That would be how high I would put it. Well, we should point out with Bailey Smith, this is an issue that he says he dealt with previously. So this is what this happened post grand final, probably started here in WA and then morphed over into Queensland. Um, he says he's dealt with it. He was suffering for some from some issues back then. So look, I I, I actually think the response has been good this week from him. So here's the question. This is the great hypocrisy of the illicit drugs policy, isn't it? Even though I think the medical approach is good, it's better to have something than nothing. That's my view. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, but here's the great hypocrisy of it. Bailey Smith's issue spills into the public arena, therefore he will be punished yeah. and suspended. If it wasn't, he and wouldn't be. 
let's guess, dozens of others that have been detected but have been tre- treated confidential- confidentially. Um, and because been, they didn't have their photo taken with a bag of white powder next to them. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, it gets this is stupidity. You almost give him another week for that. You know, like don't do it when there's mobile phones. I, I agree. This this is this is the problem with this. So I think we either need to just get. We can go two ways. I, I do like, in theory, what it does. It educates and it rehabilitates rather than punit- being a punitive system, but. We can either go really harsh the other way and say if you're caught, bang, you're out for whatever period of time it is. Or we can tweak it slightly because clearly that side of it isn't working, Duff. It's not preventative, is it? It's not – it's still – the problem is still quite common. Yeah, but I think – look, it is against the law. Mm. Now, if that in and of itself isn't enough – then what else can you do? Well, you can if you whack them with the serious penalty, more serious on your first strike. Take away their living. And basically. no pay during that period. I think Jeff Kennett's is over the top. So Jeff Kennett's argument was two years and no pay. Well, yeah. Well, that means the end of a person's career. Pretty much, yes. Yeah, I thought, look. I, so, I, look, I think somewhere... I, we, don't think that, I don't think that reflects where we are as a society hmm. with um, illegal drugs. Yep. Do you? No, I think we need. I, I, as I said, I like it in theory. I think it's time for a tweak, though. I think, and I'm not sure. T- I haven't got the answers, but I think we need to get a working party to have a look at um, exactly how we tweak this policy. So, is it first time, first strike, or self-report? Mandatory eight weeks sit down, no pay. Yes, that would be good. But the self-report thing in itself is a is a loophole. Yeah, you self-report. It's not a strike. Yeah. So that's ridiculous. Okay, so how about self-report four weeks, suspension, no pay. Get caught, eight weeks, suspension, no pay. I'm happier with that because there's still a punishment. I think you've got to have. Um, that would encourage someone who realised their use had gotten to a point where they were at serious risk of getting caught to come forward and self-report and take the treatment. Uh, and this is the other thing. Like, I think... Once you get caught, either through a positive test or a um, or self-reporting, there has to be stringent counselling, stringent rehabilitation that these players go through. Like they've got to jump through some hoops that that enable them to clearly understand the risks, the side effects, and also their place in the community. But don't the they already have that? You made the point earlier about the the education counselling that they have already at AFL level. It's enormous compared to Joe Punter out there in the public, yeah. who would have none of that. So I think there, it's already there, the education. So it's almost now, if you get caught, you are, you know, 101 dumb because you've had the education. Soon as you walk, before you enter an AFL club, while you're in the system, you are educated. And hopefully you, you're educated at, at your, at, during the schooling system, etc. But definitely at AFL level, there's no excuse for it. And I think the other thing we need to drive home, and, and this was the point of the column I wrote about Sam Fisher when obviously yep. his, his issue emerged, is that they need to be made to understand that this isn't happening to them because they're an AFL player. This isn't happening to them because they have a high profile. This is happening to them because they've made bad decisions with consequences. Their messes are their messes, and the solutions will come from them. Mm. And and they're the only people that hold the solutions. You're right about Bailey Smith's anxiety. It's been a well-known and well-publicised thing for 
quite some time now. I would guess minimum 18 months. And people do use mental health as a crutch at times. And yeah. I don't like it when they do. But I don't like it when they jump straight onto Bailey Smith and say, ah, mental health. He's been suffering for a while. Yeah. So people, get off his back with that one, please. And I did like the way he got out in front of it. Yeah. And basically said, I did this. He didn't try and pretend it was talcum powder or anything like that. And the know. club actually was on the front foot as well. So, I, I, you know, you've got to stand back and say, well done. You got on the front foot very early and dealt with it. So he's either gotten very good advice or you you might feel that he's already put this in the rearview mirror and he feels he's in a good position to move Interesting forward. him saying he felt relief that it had got out because it's always going to be there in the background. You know there was a photo taken. Where is that photo? There's always is that going to emerge before you play in another grand final? So best it gets out the way now. There's always going to be someone taking a photo. Yeah. Like mobile phones are cameras. Yeah. And so. he and he of all people, the, as, as the story goes, you would have heard this stuff, it, the, the sort of parties he was having the two weeks after the grand final, he couldn't was not left alone for one nanosecond. So Everywhere he went, and he did, he did bring that on himself a little bit, and we in the media must bear some responsibility too because we put him up there on the pedestal, but he's well remunerated for it, and, um, but, but he was out, out and about and was very popular. So he has about 350,000 Instagram yeah. followers. Do you know how many the entire West Coast Football Club has? How many? 220. Is that right? So the biggest, yeah, arguably the biggest club in Australia. How many does Nick Nat have? I don't know. Two? But I think... Um, I think so, As in 200? I think Bailey has the biggest yeah. Insta program, uh, Insta profile in, uh, in the league. Well, 152,000 for Nick Nat, we've just been pointing out. Thank you, Shannon. There you go. Well, you would imagine he would be the biggest... Oh, clearly. The highest profile West Coast person. Uh, Jason Horn francis stuff. So this, to me... It just shows you how tough it is to play in a team that's getting hammered every week. And to be the first draft pick, so therefore you're going into a lot of stoppages, you're copying a fair physical clip, the opposition comes to you a little bit, it's gotten to him. Um, he was ready for a rest. You could see that that stuck out like the proverbial dog's nurries. Well, he's got a rest. And he's got a rest. He's given himself a rest. <laughs> deserves a rest. Yeah. And, and he's lucky he didn't make slightly higher contact. Then he'd be having a lot a uh, big arrest. Yeah, he might be sitting down for the rest of the season. I'm happy with two weeks for that. Yeah. That was uh, clearly intentional and um, intended to hurt. He just looks to me like he's he wants to have an impact on games um, because of his, you know, his inexperience and his, um, uh, you know, what is he, 17, 18? He's probably 18 years old. Mm. He might be 19 now. Uh, because of that, he's tender years was the term I was looking for. Um, he's unable to impact the way he's used to impacting games. Mm -hmm. That's frustrating. His team's getting clobbered. That's frustrating. Um, it's not panning out around stoppage and around contest the way he would normally expect it to pan out for him. He's nearly doing a lot of things in games. And even on the weekend, you could see he was a few times he was in the right position to have something good happen for him and the team if a, if an, a teammate had zigged when the teammate zagged. Um, there was a bit of that. He had to be calmed down by Todd Goldstein on the way in you know, after a quarter at one stage. Didn't take the feedback well from Goldstein, who's a very experienced player and a really, really good AFL player. All that stuff pointed to, OK, Jason, either sit down next week or run around in the VFL for a few weeks. Um, hopefully this is, you know, it's a bit of a, a slap in the face, if you like, but sometimes you need that. You, as um, Paul Keating would say, the recession you have to have. And you look at the... Um 
the scoreboard at the weekend. So they matched them in the second half, North. But five, ten, four to two, five in the first half. It's the same story every week. What is going on? Wake up. Yeah, I, I just think they need their absolute best talent out there playing at its absolute best. And if they do that, they can compete. You would like them to have one more really good tall defender because I think Aiden Kaur has only ever been a second tall defender and the loss of Robbie Tarrant has really struck them. And they need one more good tall forward because um, Nick Larkey's playing a lone hand down there and he's finding it very difficult. Um, if Zerhar had been out there on the weekend, that would have helped. Um, but they still need that one more, you know, really big, good, tall forward to compete really strongly, get the ball on the deck. They've got good young midfielders. Horn Francis is one of them. Um, but Taron Thomas was running around in the VFL on the weekend. They need Taron Thomas playing good AFL footy. Clearly, they, they had to make a statement with him. David Noble can't afford many more of these things because at some point, even if it's not the coach's fault the club has to make a decision to enable the club to go for forward. For me, the die might have been cast earlier in the year when he obviously had the, the berated the players and then apologised for it. Yeah. If you're going to do one, don't do the other. Yeah. If you're going to berate them, don't apologise. You're, you're um, wagging the dog. Well, the tail is at the moment. Uh, by the way, GWS, they're just a watch for the rest of the year. They're going okay. Yeah. And a couple of different positional moves. Um, Himmelberg being one. Uh, just to watch for the rest of the year. I wanted to have a close look at the footy on the weekend because I reckon it wouldn't have said Sharon, it would have said Himmelberg. He bought his own. Yeah. He's going Tw- right, isn't he? 20 to half time. He was going at about 90% efficiency. He kicked a goal late in the game. Um, Coniglio's back. Yep. Playing really good footy. They're starting to play forward half pressure football, which is something the Giants have never quite pulled off in the past. It's set up beautifully for Clarko, isn't it? Um, well, maybe it's set up beautifully for Spike McVeigh to might keep be, going. Might be. He's he's done a few things that Leon Cameron wasn't able to get them to do. I'll be fascinated to see what happens when they start running into good teams mm. um, and see if their their method under McVeigh holds up or whether it falls apart yeah, again. Yeah, two, three goal losses you'll cope with, won't you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be the same. Um, Brisbane, St Kilda, very, felt very sorry for St Kilda. Had them. And just a couple of injuries they didn't need at the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, but going okay, you did. We were talking about this in the preview, and you said, "What if St Kilda beat Brisbane? Uh, would you rate them then?" Uh, they didn't, but I do rate them. Yeah, no, I think they're going to write the Saints. I like the way they go about yep. it. They weren't that far away from it on the weekend. Um, Hugh McCluggage, just another top game. Didn't he? Yeah. Lockie Neal, just another top game. Mm. They just keep on banging out good games. Those blokes. They do, and they're not playing their absolute best footy Brisbane, but they're getting the job done. Um, look like a big hammy for Zorko. Haven't heard anything mm. in the aftermath about how bad that is, but it looked like a big one. Um, but obviously the concussion from for McKinsey um, and the hamstring for Zach Jones. I think Zach Jones needs to try less niggle, more footy, I think. Mm. That's all, sort of his game, though. Gets involved in a lot of stuff. I think sometimes you just have to get involved like that, though, to get your game going. That's to me, seems to be that sort of a play. He's fast. He can provide yeah. link-up, do that. McKenzie's mark was incredibly brave to go back the way he did yep. into traffic, to land the way he did. He's, they've got a few of those guys, McKenzie, Wilkie, yeah. uh, Webster, a few guys that we thought, you know, what are they as footballers? They've become really good AFL players, and they're one of the reasons why the Saints are progressing up the ladder. Um, Carlton, again, just getting the job done against a pretty poor Essendon. Um, hey, really what, did, what did you make of the... Stringer? Oh. oh, well, the Stringer spray, which was interesting. Interesting that he just pulled him out. Because there's a few you could have had a crack at. 
Yeah, well, he's not Robinson Crusoe, it yeah. isn't, is no. he? Jake Stringer. No. But, um, no, so that was interesting. By the way, he played very well last year when his contract was up for renewal. Not so well this year. We kind of had Stringer as a watch because of that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. And uh, We've been proven... It's been interesting watching. He hasn't let us down. No. <laughs> Having said that, it's been pretty hard to be a forward. In and he has team. had injuries. Yeah, and to be a forward well. in that team at the moment. But still. What did you make of the Heppel rousing of the oh, troops? I loved it. just didn't work. I didn't mind that stuff. It's their 150th anniversary. All the greats were there. It was different. It was great TV. So I actually liked it. I'm not going to smash that. But it didn't work. So it sort of looks worse when it doesn't work. But I didn't mind it. I just wondered whether this is part of Essendon's problem. You reckon it's just the histrionics for the, for the, for the look? It was the aesthetics? Yeah, the, the, the next review, you know, what's that about? You know, oh, let's keep the fans happy. We're not going the well. Review is a review, review to show everyone you're doing a review. That's all that is. Well, this one's a review of the review. Yeah, yeah. You know, how many reviews can I, you do? I've got to say, I didn't mind it too much. I don't mind a bit of that stuff, mate. It can't hurt. I, I did like the ovation that James Heard got. Yeah. I think, you know, it was a welcome back. Done his time. Let's yeah. get, let's move on. Yeah, I didn't mind that at all. Uh, Carlton, you're right. They just continue to, to do very nicely. Um, Lewis Young in defence. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? Standing up in, yep. in the absence of weedering. That was so for them. Doggies wouldn't mind him at the moment? They would. No, exactly. Yes. Made some, some curious decisions over the years. And we go all the way back to Thursday night, Richmond, Port Adelaide. Interesting... Um, uh, conversation over the uh, concussion or no concussion with the Port Adelaide players um, and Richmond I'm just not it's going to be interesting Thursday night Richmond Carlton yeah I'm not ready I'm not ready to declare Richmond no. back in town they've won four or five and they've mounted something and you wouldn't want to play them in September but who have they beaten maybe you would want to play them in September yeah maybe if they're not that good anymore mm. maybe you would they did enough on the weekend, I thought Port were okay. I thought Richmond got the rub of the green with the umps late. I think the, the um, Gibkus is a very good young player, by the way, but the free to him on the goal line was, pfft. if that's a free, there's a lot of frees paid every week. Mm. Um, and there was a couple of others, a couple of 50-metre penalties that I thought, oh, you know, really? You might be able to argue that according to the letter of the law, but it's not in the spirit of the law, and it, it didn't have to be paid, and it was. Um, yeah, I thought that uh, that helped them out a bit when they needed it. Um, but you're right. Big watch on them this week. Uh, now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Yes, thank you to Thirsty Camel. And this week, for the last time, Duff, it will be thank you to Gage Roads Albie Draft. We are giving away a carton on Thursday and then we'll be moving to a new prize, but we'll get to that later in the week. Some really good emails uh, this week. Please keep them coming. Please let us know if you're from Western Australia or not and keep them short. Um, this one from Chris from Hocking. Keen to know your thoughts on a Best on Ground award. What factors should be considered when making the decision and whether or not it should be changed to a winning team BOG? I believe Cameron Ling and Matthew Lloyd were influenced by Collingwood's win yesterday in awarding Mason Cox three votes each, while the other judge, Judge Josh Gabalich, wonder if he's related to the great Ray, um, didn't even have Cox in the mix. While Mason Cox played the best game of his career yesterday, well, I think it was the second best game of his career, uh, clearly, in my view, Clayton Oliver was BOG, and despite how it might look, he was awarded the Neil Danaher Trophy. There are too many to name, but how many Norm Smith medals have we seen awarded to players from the winning team that were clearly not BOG on the day, but were in the winning team? 
if you're going to give an award for the best player of the game, winning or losing, losing shouldn't be a factor. Really interesting, Duff. There was a lot of criticism of, um, I think Mason Cox finished second in the votes on the day in the Neil Danaher Trophy. I've got to say, I actually, Clayton Oliver won it. I actually thought he was a deserved winner of that uh, trophy. Well, Clayton Oliver is the one guy who's maintaining standards at Melbourne at the moment. And he was, how many times did he have it? And he was, you, and but not just how many times that he had it, what he did with it. I, th- I thought he, he deserved that trophy yesterday. I was comfortable with that. So if you look at the ones that are standing up for Melbourne and the ones that are falling away, Clayton Oliver has it 43 times, 21 and 22. Um, they're pretty good numbers. Um, Max Gorn, not so good. Well, he was injured. Yesterday he was. He was but by the way, what did you, uh, Jack Ginevan does it again. Yeah, I'm just going to keep saying is, is, Jack, is, is, Jack get, Ginevan's lucky he's not wasn't playing in the 1990s. Oh, well, I've got to start. Agree. I like him, but I'll, I'll agree with you on that point. You know what's going to happen is that eventually there are going to be too many malaise that have been instigated by Jack Ginevan, and too many Collingwood players are going to either be fined or a couple are going to be suspended because they get involved in the malaise standing up for Ginevan, and there's going to be a meeting at Collingwood, and he's going to be told by both the senior players and the coach, wind your neck in, mate, play footy. I will say, for, for Max Gorn to actually verbal verbalise him on the Collingwood bench, uh, that is unusual because Max Gorn is a very fair player and he's a very considered person. So for him to be that riled, yeah. he must have really got up his nose. And, yeah, I mean, look, I find Ginevan annoying. And I know that every club has one and they can get under the opposition fan skins he's a very skillful player he's played some really good footy but you are inviting incidents that your teammates will have to come i mean let's face it the guy's a stick he's got the harry high pants too so when when there's an incident who comes to his aid taylor adams is there in a breath Braden maynard is there in a breath all the hard men of Collingwood come a running and bail Jack Ginevan out. You know, mate, just play footy because if one of them gets hurt in one of those incidents, if one of them gets suspended in one of those incidents, or if one of them just gets sick and tired of paying $3,000 for being involved in a melee because of their involvement in one of those incidents, sooner or later you're going to find yourself up the front of the team group copping feedback because they'll be sick and tired of bailing you out. It reminds me when I took on the North Melbourne Cheer Squad when I was about 14 at Arden Street. Did and, win? Uh, and I Well, no, because I, I was in a bit of trouble. <laughs> My brother and a few of his mates, uh, John Sylvester, the great crime writer, was one of them, had to bail me out and gave me a bit of a dressing down afterwards. Sly of the Glenn, underworld. We're getting a bit sick of this. <laughs> Stop it, will you? Um, by the way, what were the coaches' votes? Just out of interest? So the coaches' votes were Mason Cox, 10, got the, got the five he, from both the Wow, coaches. okay, there you go. Uh, Clayton Oliver, 8. Brody Mychek, 4. We've spoken about what a value-for-money player Mychek is. My boy, Jack Crisp, 3. Angus Brayshaw, who's another one at Melbourne who's maintained his standards, also 3. And Darcy Moore um, had, um, I think, 1 or 2 at the bottom. Well, there's a really good email, and I tend to agree with him, but that sort of bears out the fact that Mason Cox, the both the coaches, so interesting. Uh, now, this one from last week, Duff, you'll remember, we're talking about the Frio play, the only game they played without an Indigenous player. So Chris from Baldivis has come to our rescue. Uh, I found it. Um, it was uh, round 12, 1995 v Adelaide. There you go. Okay. Uh, this one from Rowan Johnson from Averley. 
High Duffin Quarters, Frio hero David Mundy enters into an elite group in his next match. The top 10 players for most AFL matches played across their career. Top of that list is kangaroo legend Brent Harvey with 432 games. As a fellow midfielder with long and incredible highlights reel, how would you compare the careers of Brent Harvey and David Mundy? I'd love to get your thoughts on the similarities and differences. Thanks for the pod. Well, very different players really, weren't they? Um, they were, they were, I'll tell you where they were similar. They were similar in that they were still playing very good footy late, late into their 30s. Um, and David Mundy continues to play. I wouldn't say he's having a great season. He's having a solid season. Um, incidentally, this does, does segue into something else. Um, there's been a lot of talk about if Nathan Fife plays and stays sound for the rest of the year, what does it mean for Will Brody? I think it gives Fremantle a golden opportunity to manage David Mundy is what I think mm. it does. They can sit him down for a couple of weeks. They can use him as the medi-sub for a couple of weeks. They can try and get him to September in the sort of shape that will enable him to have a positive impact for the team and not be a tired old man in September. By the way, um, uh, Nathan Fife's presence uh, didn't exactly hurt Brayshaw and Sarong's output either, did it? No. Oh, well, I thought they were all solid. Yeah, and yeah. They, and, you know, clearly their stoppage work was really good because they were able to score heavily from stoppage even though um, Hawthorne had... Mm. better stop his numbers and let's face it the guys that were in there for Hawthorne aren't exactly shrinking violets yeah Jaeger O'Meara and Tom Mitchell when it yeah. comes to inside ball Jaeger was good yeah they're uh, they're very good at winning it uh this one from Mick from Albany high duff and quarters I've been watching the Dockers live and have noticed Rory Lobb really only marks the footy when the ball is kicked high or the kicker takes the pace off the kick do you think this is a tactic from Blake Akers particularly playing to his forward strengths for his kicks to come down with snow when he kicks to Rory soft hands. Well, I think some players just mark it like at that high point, don't they? Rory's one of them. I think um, uh, Mason Cox is another. He's got those big, long arms. So would you absolutely apply to their strengths. When you've got a bloke that tall that has those long levers, you've got to get it to space in front of them so they can run and jump. If you have a situation where they get bodied, they will be grounded in the body, um, in the body battle. And they won't get a jump and they won't get hands on the ball. So the, the key with Rory is get it to the space in front of him so he can take a run and jump. That way any body contact on him is likely to be interference. And if he gets his hands in the air and he gets off the ground, no one's hands are going to be higher than his. Uh, this is more of a statement than a question, but I like it. This one from Brian from Lake Clifton. Uh, the talk is that footy is boring, too sanitised with over-the-top umpire intervention and that the game is in strife. As a supporter of some teams, this might ring true. Then a game like the Collingwood-Melbourne game on Monday provides hope and gives a fresh reminder of how great AFL can be. This game had the lot. Great contest, fast ball movement with both teams willing to risk the corridor, strong contested marking with excellent umpiring. As a West Coast supporter, this is the footy I want to see our team play. Not the slow, predictable, boring ball movement, lacking any new ideas and lacking any coaching innovation. Shake it up, West Coast. You are being left behind and the gap is increasing. Well, the gap is increasing because West Coast lacks talent at the moment. They need to do a rebuild. Um, But the Collingwood-Melbourne game was a cracker. The Hawthorne-Fremantle game was a cracker. And even though the St Kilda-Brisbane game was a different type of game and more of a slog, still a very good contest for three and a half quarters. Uh, this one from Paul from Quagenup, is that right, near Dunsborough? Quagenup? Quagenup. Anyway, it's near Dunsborough. Um, I hope it's nice down there, Paul. I'm sure it is. <laughs> hey, gents, a couple of quick ones. In regards to Ginevan, Waitman, etc., who draw free kicks and are described by their coaches as... 
testing the tackler, among other phrases. If you're going to draw a free kick when they're not really there, doesn't it exclude you from complaining when an umpire misses one that is there? Absolutely, I agree with that. Two, Dockers have unearthed a couple of contingency plans in Fife and Logue for their midfield forwards and forwards backs respectively. Does that crank up their ability to roll with the punches a bit more? Cheers, Paul. Yeah, I think it does. Absolutely. Um, Five gives them a bailout both in the midfield. Um, we mentioned their ability to manage Monday. Um, he gives them another marking target to kick at four to centre. Same with Logue. Logue can go back. He can play on a monster. He can play on Tommy Hawkins if Alex Pierce gets hurt. He can play on Jeremy Cameron. He can play on Tyson Stengel. That's our versatile Griffin Logos. I love this next email, Duff. This is from Cameron from Perth. Hi, Duff and Quarters. I was chatting to a mate about how great it would be to, to be able to choose your view, this is for TV watching, have multiple views showing at once while watching a game, i.e. be able to watch the broadcaster's view while also being to view the down-the-ground vision. I feel this would be easy enough to implement and allow a bit of extra dollar for Foxtel or KO through premium subscriptions, while allowing viewers to better understand how each team structures up and players work off the balls. I love that. Yeah, I think... Just have a little option that you can press a button and you can see the down-the-ground views. Why not? I don't know that the bulk of fans want the scientific analysis yeah, but it's, as it's unfolding. You can, you can actually pay a premium and have that if you want. I reckon that's a great idea. Yeah. I don't well, know. You clearly don't. No. <laughs> I like the... look Behind the goals I, I, I vision think, would be great. I think the great thing about our game is that it's continuous and there's so much quality stuff happens around the ball. Now, after a goal is kicked, do I want to know how that happened? Or if a guy is found in the centre of the camera lens and there's no one near him, how did he get out there? But you yeah. can do both. I want to know that. You can do both. I don't need to know it as it's happening. What if you can press a button, you can hear all that explanation and then you can press a button and then get the drown the, down the ground vision. And you'll have BT going, boy oh boy, wowee! Yeah, all of Wakeman's that. out in space! All part of the theatre, Duff. All part of the theatre. <laughs> uh, this one from Adam. Hi Duff and Quarters. Did either of you watch the player manager documentary Show Me the Money? Yes. During one of the episodes, David Noble visits J H Jason Horn Francis's home to meet him and his parents, announcing that North would pick him at number one. During the conversation, one of his parents asked, where do you see Jason playing? And Noble responded, anywhere he wants, with everyone breaking into an awkward chuckle. I'm certain he was being facetious, trying to highlight the value he would bring, but it came across as the club was genuinely banking on this one player turning the fortunes of the club around. Perhaps this gives insight into the predicament North is currently facing with Jason Horn Francis. Thoughts? Uh, flag mantle 22 Adam that's a good email too that's a good email um, obviously he was just joking um, they wouldn't have expected Jason Horn Francis to be Dusty Martin this year or Patrick Dangerfield this year he has traits that make him that remind people of Patrick Dangerfield so they're hoping that at some point he turns into that um, I think they need more out of Jai Simpkin um, I thought Luke Davies Uniac was really good on the weekend, but he needs to play like that every week. Clearly, Taron Thomas should be in the team mm. and playing better. I think he probably he will be soon. Um, be back there. And there's one more young mid as well. So they've got three or four that are really good young players that need to start 
stumping performance on performance week in, week out. And David Noble's a very experienced football person. He's been around for long enough to know that he's not going to spike them straight away. It's a a long-term plan with Jason Horn Francis. This one from Joel from Carlisle. Reading this... The quote from Bevo this morning feels like the AFL drug policy has loopholes. Here's the quote. And essentially any player with a clinically diagnosed mental health challenge will never be exposed to the policy anyway. I don't have many personal examples of mental health to draw on and even less experience of illicit drug use. So I'm worried my opinion lacks empathy, but I feel that some mental health breaks are taken to avoid implications around drug use. The AFL is a strong and important voice in the community on a range of issues in our society. If my opinion is shared, then surely some reflection on their drug use policy needs to be taken. Cheers, Joel from Carlisle. Well, we spoke about this a bit earlier. Um, I do think that they do use it as a crutch sometimes, but generally speaking... Um, and particularly in these, in the case of Bailey Smith, he's been suffering for some time. So, look, the whole thing needs a tweak, but probably not not a replacement. Yeah, and, and I think our society needs to address drug use. That's my view on yep. it. I mean, this is it's it's gone from a point where some young people took drugs and take drugs to a point where most young people use drugs to some degree out when they're out and about they use them as party drugs they use them to moderate mood um this is very widespread um we expect footballers to be more disciplined but i don't think they're an island they don't they don't live on an island away from that stuff i like this one chris from inglewood writes i've just been indulging in another replay of duff's frio winning over small hands hawks Thanks for that, Chris. Uh, I couldn't help but notice and admire how many goals Griffin Logue had a hand in. Now, I know there's a plethora of fancy new terms like score involvements, but it got me thinking. Other than seeing Griff start to rack up goals of his own, how about using a basketball term like assists, which we could see on the coverage? There'd need to be a strict definition, but I counted at least three direct goals caused by Griffin's huge effort in the marking contest and then feeding the ball out for a clear goal by Sonny and Banners, respectively. Yeah, there was one to Collier, which he nearly handballed through for a point. Um, yeah, but the one he just got off the foot but on he, the line. But he'd won the ball yeah, yeah. won the ball from a ground-level contest after Hardigan had gone to ground. There was one where he went across the front of the pack. There was another one out of a marking contest. So you're right, minimum three, absolutely. And there would have been another of uh, a number of other score involvements. I'd be guessing his score involvements were up towards 10 and certainly three, at least three goal assists. Uh, this, this last one from New South Wales, Andrew Milne. Hello there, love the podcast. Always listen. Great to hear non-Victorian points of view. My question is concerning priority picks. If North Melbourne would like a priority pick, the AFL should demand an inquiry into why they need one. Watching Logan McDonald become a total star, well, not quite a star yet, but he's on the way, reminds me that North did not pick him when they had the chance. At the time where people were amazed and one and a half years later we are still amazed. Total incompetence should not be rewarded. Would love to hear your views in the matter. Well, you know my views. I don't like priority picks. Don't think there should be any handed out anymore. That's going to be the one that, and I feel for the bloke who was taken, I think it was Will Phillips, was taken with pick three ahead of Logan McDonald. You don't want to be that guy. It's a bit like um, Jack Billings has become a good player, but guess what? He was taking the pick before Marcus Bontempelli. Um, Who was the one? um, Richard Tambling, Richard Tambling, taken ahead of Matthew Pavel. No, Aaron Fiora. Taken ahead of Matthew Pavlich, Richard Tamley taken ahead of Buddy Franklin. Mm. Those guys, they tend to suffer. Was he taken ahead of Jared Ruffhead? Who was taken ahead of Lance Franklin? No, Jared Ruffhead was pick two. Okay, he was pick three and then Ruffy was, yeah, yeah. yeah gotcha. 
Um, so, yeah, Roughhead was ahead of him. But Frank, it's an Frank inexact science, and it's littered. It's not just those examples. You can look at throughout the whole draft, the history of the draft, and it's littered with players being taken behind other great they players. Often get, what they often do, they often get carried away with a gun mid over a gun key. I reckon when in doubt, take the gun key. Mm-hmm. Like, would you have lost if you'd have taken either of the King Twins in their draft? No. Would you have lost if you'd have taken Logan McDonald in no. his draft? Would you have lost if you'd taken Buddy? No. no. Or Ruffy? Definitely no. So, there you go. Pavlich. I agree with that. It's a bit of a quicker sugar hit, isn't it, with the mid? Yeah, when in doubt... And if there's a gun key, unless you take the gun, you've key. got a, le- a heap of them already. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that that'd be my general rule. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Quarters just taking the 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 time off because of his birthday, just having a bit of downtime. <laughs> I there. should point out, please send your emails <laughs> to that address. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us on this Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday to run the ruler over another gripping round, uh, the last split round of this uh, mid-season in the AFL. Um, we'll also have a bit of a chat about the 30th anniversary of West Coast 1992 Premiership, the Premiership that basically gave weight to the national competition, of course, that day that Peter Matera kicked five and Peter Sumich kicked six against the Cats at the MCG. Their big anniversary celebration this weekend and they haven't had much to celebrate this week, so that'll be a, a, a bright spot in this year for West Coast. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet if you download the Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you run into any difficulties. Thank you for joining us and we'll be back again on Thursday. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.